When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is gayish. The podcast that prefers MLK's other saying, shyness is the language of the undressed. Wait, wait did, he, did, he, did he actually say that? No, Mike. <laughs> it, violence is the language of the oppressed. Oh. OG quote, but I, I made noises that sounded like other noises. I, I'm just so impressed. It's like it's like a, you, make, you made a cocktail of like all of fat, of Black Lives Matter, of like inspirational quote. You added a, it's a pun. It's like you're, you're like. Oh, you, you didn't laugh because you were too impressed with me. <laughs> it was just too many things to <laughs> process at the same time. Uh, I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Kitts. And we're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And today. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm proud of myself <laughs> or upset that you're so surprised that I might be a little bit intelligent, so I might oh, be offended. No, that's not surprising at all. I just didn't expect you to bring it here. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> this isn't the place for that. Penis, penis, poop. Okay. Um, yeah, today, today we're going to talk about... What are we talking about? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Father's Day? Father's Day. Today we're going to talk about Father's Day. With um, some guests. With some guests. Yes, Joseph Peters Matthews and Brandon Peters Matthews, uh, who were on our episode about uh, surrogacy. Surrogacy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they our, they talk to us pre-baby. Yeah, now they have a baby. Now they have it's, a baby. Yeah, have you met weird. their baby? Not in person, no, just virtually, which is good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, I met the baby, and Joseph Peters Matthews gave him to me, and I was like, I, I think what babies like is what I like, which is just like making noise and bouncing up and down, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um. <laughs> Someone much larger than you holding you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we're all that baby. Okay, um yeah. do you, but, first. but first. Okay, great. Um let's see. First on the list. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, did you mean the <laughs> Yes? I didn't know Ow. that you could Yeah, are you okay? <laughs> wait, wait. But my other thing, as I can go super deep. Nurse. Wow. I've got Mariah Carey's range, people. And, 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 and you need some. to know it. Okay, news. Okay, news. First, off the bat, Nickelodeon has let us know that SpongeBob oh. SquarePants is gay. I, I only yesterday. saw this a little bit and didn't do any more investigating, but... Yeah. Okay. So that's the that's the headline, right? And that's the yeah. thing that people have been running with. I also think it's bullshit, and I'm upset about it. And we need to talk about that. Um. So on Saturday, yesterday, on the 13th, they said, "quote in a tweet, quote celebrating hashtag Pride with the LGBTQ plus community and their allies this month and every month." Rainbow emoji. Um, and then it's a picture of SpongeBob SquarePants and Cora from Avatar and Schwaz Schwartz from Henry Danger. And they're all standing in front of rainbow slash colory backgrounds. Here's the thing. It might be implied and even heavily implied that SpongeBob is gay, but nowhere is the phrase SpongeBob is gay in any of that. Mm. And people interpreted that post like that's where we got that he's gay. 
Yep. Even yep. though they mentioned, yep. Yep. I mean, he could be bi, queer, trans, or an ally. Those were all the other yep. things they and mentioned in that. This isn't the first time that it's come up, his sexuality. In uh, in the early 2000s, Steven Hillenberg, who is the series creator, said that SpongeBob SquarePants is asexual. And okay, yeah. Someone was like, sponges are asexual, everybody. Yeah. Um, I just, like... <sighs> I don't know what frustrates me so much. First of all, it's that like Nickelodeon, uh, if that was their message, they should have fucking said it. If it wasn't, everybody shouldn't have been like, oh, SpongeBob is gay and run with that because that's <laughs> yeah. not what they said. Yeah. But then I'm also torn because like, it's awesome. We need more representation and people are now talking about this and people are yeah. probably going to make sure that their kids can't watch it anymore because it's the devil's show now. I like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think this is one of those things a lot like what I'm learning about racism and discussing racism is like, it's good to take a step to say something to, I'd rather people put something out there than, than not at the same time, what I'd prefer the next step they could take is, and they've already done this. Like if, if SpongeBob is gay, then have him overtly gay on the show. And yep. I don't mean million moms. I don't mean he has to be, be doing stuff in the butt stuff or putting stuff in his sponge holes. Does I he just have mean, a butt? He wears pants, so he has to, right? <laughs> I don't know. I think the reason you wear pants is to cover your butt. Well, um, all right. But yeah, I, I we need overt representation in shows, not backdated or retconning or implied representation. Yep. Yep. I totally, totally agree. Cool. Um, next? Yeah. Okie doke. Next. Next. Yep. So this actually came from our Discord server Ooh. Uh, or Facebook. I don't know. It's all one thing now. The internet. <laughs> this came, came from, from our you. internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this story about Russian artist Yulia Tsvetkova's uh, uh, prosecution in Russia. So she's currently on trial and um, she is facing up to six years in prison if she's found guilty, which apparently more than 99% of people who face court in Russia are found guilty. Like Wait. if it comes to trial, it's not actually a trial. You go into jail. Um, guilty of what? Well, so she is an artist and has been doing sort of subversive art for a while. Uh, she channeled her so quote this is from sorry this is from the calvertjournal.com uh quote she channeled her creativity into building a community for young people where they could learn about gender feminism and lgbtq community um she became the director at a youth theater ran online groups on feminism and sex education for young people including a performance of the vagina monologues hmm. um but then in 2019 police started investigating her play the blue and the pink which explored gender stereotypes. Um, she was arrested on the 20th of November last year and put on house arrest two days later, charged with, quote, production and dissemination of pornographic materials. Um, and she was on nugget. Yep. She was accused of spreading, quote, homosexual propaganda to minors and was later fined. Um, a couple of the things that uh, are, are on here. Uh, she has these drawings um, of women and, they are well okay like here here's here i won't show it to you i'll i'll send it to you later but um like this 
like a line drawing of a woman and uh her her beaver is way out and <laughs> um it it says uh uh or and there's there's another one and it's it's a, a woman um like holding the end of a tampon and there's one with a woman that is curvy like sitting on the beach but the the captions are things like real women have body fat and it's normal or real women have wrinkles and gray hair and it's normal all of them end with and it's normal and uh so i mean she's definitely like pushing the envelope but what's different here is that it wasn't just the anti-lgbt law where spreading positive images about gay people is prohibited under law Mm -hmm. this was under the pornography law and there's nothing pornographic about them there's no sex (laughs) happening it's just women being women and talking about ways in which they don't necessarily fit perfect womanhood and saying that that's okay or that's normal it's like women's bodies are sexualized so people view them as inherently pornographic yep yep it's anyway it's it's bullshit rushes up to it again Uh uh-huh guilty guilty send her to jail she must be stopped (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm also interested in um maybe marat can tell me or not but uh her name is yulia tsvetkova and i wonder if that's a pseudonym because tsvet is russian for color and like the fact that she's like her play is the blue and the pink and she's so uh uh, interested in gender stereotypes i wonder if that if that's a pseudonym or if that's her actual name i don't know if it's a common name or not yeah i can't wait to hear the answer to that either mike Yep, I know you can't, um, but you're going <laughs> to have to... Russian puns. Those are my jam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okie doke. Next? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, last Next. but not least, I wanted to talk about the Chaz. Yeah. My new favorite topic. The Chaz is the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, which is a space of several blocks in the Capitol Hill neighborhood of Seattle that has been declared free of police um and is basically just a big old hippie festival now yeah uh <laughs> but what makes it gayish what's appropriate for the news is uh I, I think two things the first is that it is the gayberhood like this yeah. is this is decidedly solidly in the gay part of town and i think that that's uh important and uh is not so far been something that i've seen reported much mm. um uh, and the other is that Fox News is fucking lying their goddamn asses <laughs> off about what's happening there. Yeah. And I want people to know that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not you editorializing. They literally were caught photoshopping images of a person with a gun into uh, photos of the Chaz. So it's yep. indisputable that they were directly lying about it. And yeah, I'm, I'm several blocks away from the Chaz. Um, and yeah, it may, I think what, what, um, so, so that's where a lot of the Capitol Hill protests for Black Lives Matter were taking place, where a lot of the um, incidents of police violence were taking place over the past several weeks. And eventually the police left the area. And of course, when they left and abandoned their precinct, it became totally peaceful and happy. And everyone's like, you know, so it's, it's no... Uh, it's no coincidence. Um, and it does have this kind of festival vibe, like you said. Um, and the organizers are, are trying to remind people that the point is to demand action on, you know, a list of demands like defunding the police. Yeah. Yeah. So as a, as an eyewitness account, as a, as a person that's been there, 
what 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 did you see? Um, yeah, it's it's hard not to talk about that without directly trying to counter some of the um, lies that I've seen. So, but so I will. Like people say that you have to check your ID when you walk in. Um, that is not the case. Um, I have never seen anyone with guns. Um, there there is a legitimate picture of someone with a gun um, standing at the entrance. Also, keep in mind that it was just days before that that someone drove their car into the uh, into this area and shot someone like a, a yeah. counter protester. So. Um, it's always interesting when people complain about someone having a gun because then you're like, wait, gun fanatics, which side are you on? Do you think guns are good and can be used for defense or do you think they're bad? I can't tell. Is yep. it, is it when it's for black lives matter anyway? Um, but yeah, so uh, there's no extortion of businesses. That's been another report. So, you know, inside it's a lot of people hang out on the park. Uh, there are documentaries that they play um, every now and then that people all gather around and watch the 13th for the first one they did was uh, 13th. Um, it's people demonstrating, uh, chanting, protesting. It's also a space for people to play basketball and, uh, you know, some people give out free food and water. And um, yeah. so it's a really supportive, open loving environment yep and and not a sharper in sight right like they totally left the area not a what a sharper what's that the plural word of the oh week oh my god i didn't <laughs> <laughs> how did i not figure that out <laughs> uh sharper or sharp uh has two meanings uh the one is as a noun which just means a policeman or a police officer oh. um uh the other one is to steal like to sharp something is to steal something. So there's sort of huh. a, a weird, um, I don't know. It's weird that that one word in this weird language would have almost exactly opposite meanings. Um, but but yeah, yeah. Sharper means or, police well, officer. police and to steal. Maybe maybe that's saying that it's the same word. Maybe they're synonyms. Ooh, all cops are bastards. <laughs> police have stolen our black lives. Nah, that doesn't have a good <laughs> ring to it. I mean, they literally have. That's um, true. <laughs> um, uh, no, I have not seen a sharper there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, 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 I'm glad. I mean, I'm sure that we're going to change everybody's mind. But like, <laughs> well, it's just uh, interesting because I, my mom called and had heard from her conservative friend and was like, "Is it like a war zone in there, or is it like, you know, can you leave your place?" And it's like it's literally fine. Like yeah. you would not know that it's what's going on unless you walked specifically to that, those blocks. And even then you'd yeah. be like, why are there so many people here today? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I've also seen some, some of my asshole conservative friends from Eastern Washington uh, say that they should throw a protest so that they can go to restaurants again. Like, we'll just, we'll just call it a protest and then everybody could do what they want. Um, like, anyway, <sighs> Uh, so that's it. That's racism it. And, and going to restaurants are equally important issues. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Indeed. Especially if you don't think racism is real. Oh, yep. anyway, that's the news. <laughs> um, except I would like to oh. continue on with the June series of queer black people from history. Yeah. Uh, and tell you a little bit about Lucy Hicks Anderson. Do you know this person? I have never heard of them. Okay. Lucy Hicks Anderson was born in 1886. And that's a uh, hundred years before me. Uh, yep, exactly. Exactly. Wow. Um, and so 
from 1920 until 1945, she lived in Oxnard, California, and it was uh, she was outed as being biologically male. Now, some of the language here is problematic because mm-hmm. uh, the, the 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 term transgender did not exist at that time, and uh, the sensibilities about these things were definitely very very different at that yeah. time. So um, you can say that it's a historically inaccurate if you want to but she was trans she was a trans woman um uh, she was born in wadi kentucky in 1886 and when she entered school she insisted on wearing dresses and began calling herself lucy uh her her dead name was tobias lawson which you see in some of the articles uh related to uh to her because the, the the controversy about like whether whether a trans identity is real uh in a historical context it's it's fucking bullshit (laughs) <laughs> her name was Lucy. Um, uh, she, uh, her mom took her to a physician and the doctor advised her mother to let Lucy be raised as a girl. Um, oh, wow. Lucy, yep. Yep. And so that would have been in uh, 1901. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Lucy left school at the age of 15 to work as a domestic. Uh, when she was in her 20s, she moved west, st- settling in Pecos, Texas, where she worked in a hotel for a decade. In 1920, she married Clarence Hicks in Silver City, New Mexico, and then moved to California. Um, they got divorced in 1929. In 1944, she married Reuben Anderson, a soldier stationed at Mitchell Field on Long Island, New York. So what, what happened was uh, it was discovered that she was biologically male, or somebody outed her. The Ventura County District Attorney decided to try her for perjury. According to the DA, she had committed perjury when hmm. she signed the application for a marriage license because on that form, she swore that there were, quote, no legal objections to the marriage. Oh, it went to trial. They pulled in uh, uh, physicians declaring that uh, insisting that she was male Um uh, she challenged the authority of physicians who insisted that she was male, quote, I defy any doctor in the world to prove that I am not a woman. She told reporters in the midst of her perjury trial, uh, she was convicted and the judge placed her on probation for 10 years rather than send her to prison. Um, so she had received checks as the wife of a member of the U S army and the federal government prosecuted both her and her husband for fraud in 1946. Both that time were found guilty sentenced to prison. Uh, after she was released from prison, she tried to return to Oxnard, but the local police chief told her to leave town or risk prosecution. Hmm. She lived the remainder of her life in Los Angeles and died in 1954 at the age of 68. Wow. That's amazing. I know (laughs) I feel like, you run into this thing where like my instinct is to say like, wow, she's so brave. But then everyone's like, she, she wasn't trying to be brave. Like it's not brave to just be yourself, <laughs> but you know, so I, I get that, but I just, I can't imagine being in her shoes, having to deal with what she's dealing, you know, a hundred years before I'm even realizing or thinking about any of these issues. So, yeah, I, I think well, too that like uh, I, I can't speak for the trans community. Obviously, not being trans, and the stories that I hear involve a lot of sort of awakening or or confusion or dysphoria and trying to figure out what that's about, and then having mm-hmm. the realization later. There, and that's that's a truth for a lot of people. But for this person, she was just like from a very young age. Fuck this! I'm a girl. Yeah, yeah. fucking deal with it. And she <laughs> couldn't. She couldn't not do that. And was very crystal clear about her identity. Uh, yeah. And 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 her uh gender and i i just i think that's that's really that's really interesting 
Yeah. And, and a good example that, that needs to be highlighted on influential podcasts like this one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. So that's it. That, that's the news. Um, I want to thank, I forgot to do this last episode. Sorry, buddies. Um, I want to thank <laughs> Patreon members. <sighs> Everyone buckle up. Um, <laughs> uh, R- Rudy Gardia. Um, that's probably it. Gardia. Two L's? Nope. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Zach with a C and no K. Just Zach. Just a Zach. Okay. Uh, Simply Cinderfella, which I don't think is their real name. Yeah. Simply. That's a weird first name. Um, Christoph. Oh, Christoph. This is your fault. Christoph. Like, for, like, like from Frozen? I've never seen Frozen. Oh, okay. Is there a Christoph in it? Olaf. Are you thinking Olaf? I don't know. I thought there was a Christoph too. Oh, maybe Olaf's brother, Christoph. Um, uh, Christoph Vermulen Erhuki. And uh, this is fun. This is my first uh, intentional pseudonym. Someone saying, don't use my name, but use this. Adam Kane. Adam Kane. And he said people will get it if they're in, and I don't. So uh, some people are just in on something um so thank you to our patreon members if you want bonus content episodes uh other shit go to gayish nope go to patreon.com slash gayish podcast yeah awesome also cool. uh i i don't we didn't say it on the show last time so people might not know there was more content from the um uh, black lives matter uh march that was cut out of the white privilege episode for time and that became our patreon segment for that episode uh but we've made it free so anybody that wants uh more of that content should be able to go to patreon.com slash gayish podcast and uh uh listen to that for free if they want to yeah yeah um the rationale that we had behind that is it is a our first hand account of attending the uh uh the protests and uh given how skewed media coverage has been we thought it you know putting out actual firsthand accounts of the protests uh is useful yep awesome uh do you want to talk about fathers and father's day let's talk about fathers and father's day father's day is coming up isn't it when is it i should yeah that's yeah that's why we had to do it this time um uh like that's why this has been on the calendar for so long because this is the episode before father's day uh which this year is uh it's always what is it the third sunday in june so the 21st yeah yeah, 21st. it's the 21st. Okay, okay. So, so when th- you're hearing days. this, you have a few days yeah, to figure shit out. It's not too late. It's so not to the very least, like, call. Um, yeah. Uh, so I thought we would talk a little bit about Father's Day and what Father's Day is and where it came from. Yeah. Um, cool. How long do you think it's been around? 50 years. Uh, no. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, higher. Um, the, so in Catholic countries of Europe, it has been celebrated on March 19th as St. Joseph's Day since the Middle Ages. So, <gasps> Joseph. Y- yep, St. Yep. Joseph Peter's Matthews Day. Yep. St. Joseph Peter's Matthews Day. Uh, but the modern incarnation of it, uh, it has it was celebrated on the third Sunday of June for the first time in 1910. Um, okay. So a little over a hundred years. Isn't the right 
century. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Great. You're good. You're good. I, I think... I think you did good. I mean, the answer was going to be either fucking real asshole or not that yeah, long ago. Yeah. Right? This one was kind of in the middle. <laughs> yeah. And... Yeah. Yeah. So I blame Father Say. Yep. Uh, but one one thing I wanted to talk about is uh, uh, the first gay Father's Day. Now, that's that's a what? That, that's a problematic distinction because there were certainly people who were gay that fathered children mm-hmm. before. Yeah. Right. Um, and. Also wasn't entirely. Anyway, here's where I'm going with this. What year would you think the first gay man adopted a child legally in the United States? Next year. <laughs> it hasn't <clears throat> happened yet. Um, come... <laughs> I what like 2000 ish. Yeah, that that seems that seems like a, a reasonable guess given everything. <laughs> that seems does like a nice cha- way to say that it's wrong. <laughs> does it change your answer to know that he was single? Yeah, nineteen nineties. Also a good guess. So, uh, thank you. And, and, and wrong. And wrong. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Bill Jones, a gay man, became the first single father to adopt a child in California, and one of the first nationally. In 1968. Shit, that's before Stonewall. Yep. yep. Wait, and that was like, he did it legally? Yep, he did it legally. So the okay. state of California had started to open up the idea that they should allow single people to adopt children because they had a huge backlog of children that needed families. <laughs> and they were having a hard time getting married people to sign up for that. So uh, they they started opening it up for single uh parents and this guy really thought that he would make a good parent and was interested and uh, just happened to be gay and what i think is super interesting in this too there's a, a really great uh do you know story no story is a series on npr where they just sit down and they talk one-on-one with uh, not one-on-one, sorry. They have somebody tell their story in their voice. You can tell it's structured, but it's just a person giving their thing. <laughs> and uh, so Bill Jones, there's a StoryCorps episode about him and his experience. Um, in it, he says that he always wanted to be a father and decided to apply. Uh, quote, they were looking for somebody with family in the area, and I had family in the area. They were looking for somebody that had some contact with children. I had been a school teacher for six years. Um, and this fascinates me. Bless her heart. He says, quote, a wonderful social worker set me up with an interview. And it's important that this story sort of tells you contextually how the law was thinking about things at the time. Mm-hmm. Quote, she looked up at the ceiling and she said, you know, I think homosexuals would make very good parents. But if I was told that the committee would be obligated not to make the placement. So I hope that if a homosexual ever wants to adopt, they don't tell me. <laughs> yeah and so without directly addressing him that's the staring at the ceiling part yeah. uh she l- let it be known that 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 we can't we can't let gay people adopt so i yeah. better not find out and then of course he didn't volunteer that information and and then the adoption went through and those uh, some of those things i think that when you look back in history it'd be easy to condemn that to say Wow, you know, trying they they forced him to hide his identity, but it reminds me of like at the time, don't ask, don't tell, or Doma, like those were very progressive for the time, and it 
feels like that same thing of like, Hey, we want, we're on your side and you can get what you want if you don't say it. Like I, I, you know, I get the, that that's not totally there, that we're not there yet, but I, yeah, I don't know. Those are those complex things from history that are not as easy as it's just good or bad. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like this, I I think women like this social worker are are super important, right? People that are, that are following the letter of the law, but know damn well that it's horseshit and work (laughs) to actively subvert it in a way that's also plausibly deniable. I think that's fucking brilliant. I mean, as I'm thinking about my, I mean, particularly white privilege, like that's almost a, you know, she's using her knowledge, her privilege of being in that space to be able to tell him what to do to get the child he wants, like kind of using her power for good. I like that. Yep. Well, he adopted a little boy named Aaron and uh, things were pretty messed up uh, from the beginning. Quote, he was darling, but he had been turned down by about five couples. His mother Mm -hmm. was a heroin addict. When she gave birth to him, he went through withdrawal himself. And by about two years old, he knew no words at all. Um, At first, he turned him down, but then changed his mind. Quote, you know, children know when they've been rejected. So I found myself down at FAO Schwartz. I'd bought a teddy bear. I went back to the adoption agency and I said, I want to give a present to that kid. Aaron heard my voice and came running across the room and threw his arms around my legs. And I just cried. Mm -hmm. Uh, the adoption was finalized on February 13th, 1969. So they celebrated the anniversary on Valentine's Day every year. Um, things would become more difficult. Uh, his son, Aaron, was schizophrenic. Uh, every day was a struggle with him, Jones said, except that he was a loving, sweet person. And uh, he passed away at the age of 30 uh, of a heroin overdose. Uh, and uh, Jones still struggles with the loss. Yeah. Um, but when his friends, uh, a- when his friend asked if he had any regrets about the adoption, Jones said he did not. "Quote: I still cry over the ending, but I would do it again. I loved him so much, and he loved me too, and so I was lucky in so many ways." Hmm. That's wow! Such a like both sweet and heartbreaking story. Yeah, it had to end in a tragedy, I guess, just because yeah. otherwise it wouldn't be gayish. Gayish. <laughs> it had to end in a tragedy. Uh, uh, I'll also add that there there are other uh, landmarks. A gay couple in California in 1979 became the first in the country to jointly adopt a child legally. So uh, a gay couple, gay couples legally adopting where both parents adopt a child. Uh, I'm older than that. Hmm. Um, and uh, in 97, New Jersey became the first state to allow same sex couples to adopt jointly. Uh, and not until 2010 did the last state florida overturn a ban on adoption by gay men and lesbians um so now it's legal across the u.s well several other states continued to ban unmarried couples though effectively stopping same-sex couples from adopting until marriage equality became federal law in 2015 oh and this is something i have to imagine regardless of what the law says that there are people still pushing back on that idea you know it's been decided but they don't want it to have been decided that's right like like tennessee right that was in the news just yesterday, I think. Oh, yeah. I totally saw that and paid attention and know what you're talking about. Uh, I didn't write that down. Yeah. Uh, just this year, the governor of Tennessee signed an anti-gay adoption bill. Oh, they're, they're, they're attempting. They're attempting as, as uh, they're attempting to dismantle it as much as they can. <laughs> and uh, a lot of those fights are certainly going to end up back in the Supreme Court. Yeah. Anyway. 
Um, this is, I thought you were going to talk about, and so maybe I will, is it father's apostrophe day or is it father apostrophe day? Is it all of our father's day or is it a father's day? I know for mother's day, the, they intentionally did it mother apostrophe S because the point was that it is for an individual mother. It is each individual mother, mother's mother's day. Which yeah. is interesting with a gay couple to think about, but it is t- it's two of them in this case. So, yeah, uh, yeah, for- it is it is it is apostrophe s. It is uh, in part because it was based on Mother's Day, which came first. Um, and it's also interesting. I I didn't. I guess I yeah. I ended up talking about these the the gay dad more than I did about the history of Father's Day. Um, it. Uh, it was basically invented by uh, people who sell tobacco and ties. Um, Are you there serious? Were a couple, yeah, Mother's Day already existed. There were a couple of attempts to get it started that always fizzled out. It wasn't until like the 1920s that it really sort of gained more momentum, at least in the United States. Up huh. here in the Pacific Northwest, actually, it got really big in Vancouver, Washington, and then in Spokane, Washington. Like all popular crazes, it started in Vancouver, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, so let's see. Yeah, it, it sort of it sort of fizzled out uh, in the 1910 teens when when they first started trying to get it rolling, but then in the 20s and 30s that's when it really got going. And uh, the the founder's name is Dodd. What was her first name? Of Father's Day. Yeah, yeah. This there was this one woman was basically the champion of it that got it done. Huh. Um, uh, why can't I find this? Sorry. I mean, Dodd is a pretty solid name on it by itself. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, she she um she basically uh it this the the Wikipedia article says uh, that she'd been trying to get it started. Uh, it was difficult, but in the 1930s, she returned to Spokane, started promoting the celebration again, raised awareness at the national level. She had the help of those trade groups that would benefit most from the holiday. For example, tie manufacturers, tobacco pipe manufacturers, and any traditional presents for fathers. Uh, and so that that really that money and help and influence is what really propelled it. Why um, do I, why am I continually surprised at how capitalism influences every single thing? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I keep getting, you know, taken aback by this, but uh. yep. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, apparently Woodrow Wilson in 1916 went to Spokane to speak at a father's day celebration when the first sort of push to try to make it a holiday happened anyway. Oh, hmm. spelling. This is neat. Dodd used the father's father's apostrophe day spelling on her original petition for the holiday, but the spelling father apostrophe s day was already used in 1913 when a bill was introduced to Congress as the first attempt to establish the holiday, and it was still spelled the same way when its creator was commended in 2008 by Congress. So, huh. ta-da. She wanted it to be father's apostrophe, but they did it the other way. Did- Yeehaw. <laughs> well, I'll be sure when I say it to Joseph and Brandon to do it with apostrophe after the S. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So speaking of those guys, yeah. um, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have Joseph Peters Matthews, Brandon Peters Matthews, and maybe their baby. Yeah. Um, are you, are you ready for that? Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, okay, great. So should we take a break? Let's take a break. <laughs> Let's take a break. So are we back? 
We're back. We're back. <laughs> we are here with the Peters Matthews. How's it going? Good. Excellent. It's a pretty day in Seattle, so can't complain. Finally. Do I hear your child making some noises just when we started? You do. And he's... So he has three teeth right now. Two bottom teeth, a top tooth, and a fourth tooth that'll also be on top. God, he's ready to be in Tiger top. King then. <laughs> <laughs> It's about to break through, and his mouth is uh, getting used to having teeth in it. So Mm -hmm. if you've had braces, you remember after they come off, you keep running your tongue over your teeth because it's not there anymore. He's flapping his jaws and, like, bringing what used to just be gum now together as teeth and putting his tongue around, too. So it's (laughs) amusing to watch. But, yes, he's cooing and... Resisting a nap, but... <laughs> and how old is he? What's his whole deal? He will be eight months uh, in three days. Like, I know COVID put us all in a time warp, but that seems crazy. Like, it, it does not seem that long ago that you were on the show and expecting. And, like, that's... that's a, He's very old. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's crawling. Uh, he can stand, pull himself up to standing, and... Uh, he's not, doesn't have words yet. Those will come later, but he's eating solid foods. Okay. So we talked with y'all about preparing, planning in the middle of the surrogacy process. I'm curious to like, kind of take us into actually getting to the point where you now have your child. What was the remainder of that surrogacy surrogacy process like? I mean, I think when we talked to y'all, we were like a week or two from due. Yeah, you were like super about to have a baby. (laughs) Yeah. And we super had a baby. (laughs) (laughs) But it was not at all what we planned. Uh, Well, there was a baby. So we planned that part. Um, I think two or three people can get through Do Not Disturb on my phone. It's my mom, my husband, and our surrogate. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And the phone rang. We'd been in bed for like an hour and a half, maybe two hours. And the phone rang and I shot up and her water had just broken. So like. When you saw her name, you knew, right? Like, didn't didn't you know? I had a feeling. Yeah. But we were, she was going to be giving birth via a (laughs) C-section. Two days later, we were going to drive down the next day after work. We were going to have dinner with Brandon's family. We were going to rest in a hotel room. We were going to check in with her for the scheduled C-section. And that did not happen. So then we threw stuff in bags and, like, called my mom and his parents and his brother and drove. Hit the road. Yeah, hit the road. Where was your surrogate? Um, Southern Oregon. Oh, yeah. okay. So yeah, it was like near Salem. Yeah, four and a half hour drive, I think. Something like that. Yeah. There were obviously no traffic in the middle of the night. We buzzed through the cities, but middle of the night, and we got there at around seven, and he was in our hands within twenty five minutes. What? Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> and you like you drove over four hours home with a baby, like the next day. Yeah, the next day. Shit, that seems like a trying first day. (laughs) He did really well. He slept most of that trip. We stopped and changed him, I think. And fed him once. once. And then as we were getting back, he was hungry again. And 
it was a gross rainy day in October in Seattle and people driving black Jeeps really had no idea how lanes work. And <laughs> he was really unhappy for the last 15 minutes of the drive, but, oh. but otherwise did great. So was it a, was it a C-section or was it a, was it a vaginal birth? No, it was a C-section. Okay. Just moved up. <laughs> yep. And the OB held off on the C-section itself as long as she could. So the timing of us being there and having him in our arms within 20 minutes was, I mean, we were texting with our surrogate the whole time oh. about when we left, where we were, once we really established highway speed, uh, what our EA was. So, yeah. Something I really respect about uh, what y'all talked about and did throughout the process, and it seems like it was no different on the, the day of the birth, was like strong communication with your surrogate in in the way that she wanted and thought was appropriate yep and also fit for you yeah and that's a good thing i think from our matching agency that in the intended parent to surrogate matching process they ask about how much you're going to want to communicate and we did not need daily text updates during the pregnancy <laughs> Yeah, he's and, the size of a pea. He's the size of a slightly larger pea. He's the size of two peas. Like, yeah, and she's been great after delivery as well. Like, we exchanged photos and text messages. We had a phone call with her yesterday because she'd sent a, a present for Father's Day for us, a book that she had made. So, uh, it's been a good good relationship even after. So, I don't think that always happens, but for us, that's been a positive thing. Well, speaking of, happy early Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Thank you. And I don't know if you could tell based on my pronunciation, I said it Father's Apostrophe Day. <laughs> Father's is his day. Because, because there are two of you, and so it is not one Father's Day, it is multiple Father's Day. Mm -hmm. Okay, tell me about the gay dad part. Do you, uh, have there been, has there been anything that's happened to you that only happened because you are gay dads? And the only thing that sort of comes to my mind, Brandon might have some other thoughts, uh, but because I got, I got six weeks of paternity leave and then I was back at work for about six weeks. Um, God, God was okay without you for a little bit. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> um, then the Rona hit. So I've been back home for another 13 weeks. Um, Multiple times, if I've had to run an errand or been somewhere retail, uh, at the checkout, people will say, oh, you're babysitting. Oh, uh, yeah. Where's your wife today? It's like, <sighs> my husband is at work at a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> it's like double whammy of like, he's not only a boy, but he's also working in the health field where shit's crazy. <laughs> uh, so... So just realizing how low the bar is for men because of the patriarchy, of like if a yeah. dude has a baby in public, it must be because his wife is not available at that. <laughs> yep. That's yep. a really terrible assumption for people to make. And yeah. <laughs> and we're in Seattle where I thought I just assumed people would be soups down. Yeah, no. I mean, it's there's nothing been accusatory about it. It's just like, Oh, his wife must be busy. Well, that shows how deeply run the the assumptions are. If they, yeah. you know they're they're not trying to do it in a mean way. Brandon, what about you? I was I was thinking about our parenting group 
that we joined, cool. uh, which we had semi-weekly meetings and the holidays and things were in the mix there. So there were some breaks, but uh, we were the only gay dads in that group. And there were, I think, nine sets of parents. I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, and so the first meeting was, it was like, what, what makes you unique as a couple? We went around the room. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph was not mincing words in his response to that. But um, that was an interesting experience just because there are certain things built into that parenting group where they assume there's a woman and a man. Mm-hmm. So at one point, the meeting was meant to be split where half the group would oh, go out. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Please continue. <laughs> yeah, the, the women and the mothers would go off to a restaurant, and then the husbands' fathers would stay with babies and, and have a meeting. And then the next week it would switch. So the the leader of the parenting group reached out to us and, and wanted to know how we planned to handle that. So And how she could help accommodate. I mean, she really was proactive uh. about that. But <laughs> we ended up being where we just split, regardless of gender, we, we just split the group. Yeah. Okay, then, this yeah. might be the only time where it's fair to say which one of you is the woman <laughs> which one of you is the man. And we ended up actually skipping both of those meetings. So oh, okay. I, think, I think Joseph was out of town for a conference and then the next weekend I just said I wasn't going. So yeah. Well we, one of them was Asian Art Museum. Oh yeah, we had a museum thing. So yeah, that was oh, a, that wasn't was the intentionally thing. skipping and protesting. No, it just no, okay. Yeah. yeah, we had made arrangements and then we ended up not going to the meetings. Gotcha. Yeah. And something that was a little different, that's partly our work too, was because the moms got, many of them got so much more maternity leave or were using maternity leave and vacation. Hmm. Um, we were weeks ahead of class for lots of discussion topics. It's like childcare. And it's like Topher's been in daycare for a month already. What, what do yeah. you mean y'all are just starting to think about that? We knew what our drop-dead dates were for when Brandon had to go back to work. So we started looking at nanny exchanges stuff before Topher was born. So that was Nanny the, exchange, is that like wife swap? <laughs> not exchange, it's nanny share, uh, <laughs> where two or more families will partner together so that uh, a nanny works full-time, mm. but not full-time with just one family gotcha. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh when uh so how old was he when he went to daycare for the first time he was about three months mm-hmm. when he first went to daycare okay. okay he came to work with me for six weeks so i had six weeks of paternity leave and then he came and was a blob in my office for six weeks mm-hmm. um and then he started going to daycare uh, for maybe six weeks. Yeah, for like six weeks. And then coronavirus happened, and now he's been home again since. He's going back next week. That seems like I don't even want to go to the grocery store next week. Is that uh, how are you? How are you managing that? Is it just out of necessity, or being brave, or like fuck it, you're down for whatever? I think part of it's necessity. He's getting to a point with being able to pull himself up uh-huh. and like walk the length of our couch back and forth or walk laps in his crib or pack and play holding onto the edges that I can't keep doing a halftime job and full-time parenting. That's uh, how I feel about Dan. 
so I need I need him to go back so that I can. Uh, Snohomish County is in phase two of Washington's reopening, so I can go sit in my office for two full days a week, and then the other three days a week just focus on him and not poorly split the time. Mm-hmm. I hope everyone thinks about issues of gender and trans and the binary nature of all of babies and everything, given you're in the LGBT community. I, I would think that you'd be a little bit more attuned to that. So I'm curious if that's, if gender and binaries has come up in your thinking about your child. Um, I think mostly only with the baby registry and registering for oranges and greens and yellows and, not pink or blue. Uh, and not a lot of stuff has flown in since his birth to suddenly make it more blue. Uh, people in our parenting group said that with their girls, that really did happen, that they registered for gender neutral things. But after the birth, it was just explosions of pink in their living room, mm-hmm. uh, not of their own doing. Yeah. I was thinking about the baby book, which I fill in monthly, but Early in that book, it has information about parents, and it's clearly like mother's genetic history, family tree, father's family tree. So that's kind of the last time it's crossed my mind. Um, Do you have any uh, like gay, gay family books, like children's books? We do. Yeah. What's we have your favorite one? What's his favorite one? He doesn't know or care. I mean, we've been reading. I know, but I was trying to like pretend like babies have thoughts or something. I don't know. Well, we can come back to that because there are certainly things he likes and doesn't like. Uh, (laughs) But he has not gotten to the point of really appreciating pictures in picture books. Hmm. So we've been reading to him for the last month or so from the Chronicles of Narnia. Hmm. One of us just. (laughs) holds him while he squirms and the other does the reading and we don't even try to show him the pages because mm-hmm. it's hearing the words and seeing mouths move that matters most. So Brandon's philosophy that I like was if he's not going to pay attention, we may as well read something we like. Um, <laughs> partly because kids books are super short too. Yeah, it's so short. it's like we've just read 40 books in 20 minutes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, if you want Kyle to come over and just to... read Britney Spears lyrics, I'm sure he would. <laughs> I mean, but I, I think we'd have to go really slow and analyze them because of their <laughs> complex nature. <laughs> I'm going to write a critical analysis of Britney Spears lyrics. You've just made, you've just solidified that in my mind. Great. I nominate Circus as one of the first ones. To, <gasps> Good call. Good call. <laughs> Brandon was going to say, oh, what we've read to him. Oh yeah. So yeah, we, I mean, we started curious George, the curious George books. I can go seven books. And then Winnie the Pooh went through all of Winnie the Pooh, which I never read as a child. So that was all new to me. And then you've read Narnia and childhood a few times, but I never read it. I think I read the Lion, the witch and the wardrobe. So what's the tango book? I think that's. And tango makes three, which is about gay penguins. Oh yeah. 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 We've talked about them before, right? That's, that's actual penguins in real life that it's based on. Yep. Um, there's one called Daddy, Papa, and Me that is really cute. The illustrations make some very serious, and the story makes some very serious assumptions about what queer families do look like. In what way? Yeah, like uh, I said. A 
beardy guy in plaid, but like fashionable otter kind of guy. Uh, and they go to the farmer's market every week and buy kale. Uh, so, yeah. This all tracks to me. You just <laughs> described Tom and right. Keegan from our open relationships episode. <laughs> <laughs> so that's... I, I'm glad that the representation is there. I think the representation is also a little problematic. Yeah. But we also have something that's called like Mama, Mommy, and Me. That's the same thing. Uh, our surrogate gave us uh, a custom book from a company that does you fill in the blank and it builds stories around names and pronouns. Uh, and it has beautiful artwork. There's a baby. We can now see the baby. Hi, baby. Can hi, baby. <laughs> can how's it going? Can he see things? On, oh, he's smiling. Does he see us? Oh yeah. Hi, baby. <laughs> See, Mike, this is what I was talking about. I just move around and make noises, and I think... I don't know. I think that's what babies like. It is. I do. That's fantastic. That's all I got. And a cute outfit. Well done. Yeah, you. Show that off. Dinosaur. Alright, so now, now is our interview with your child. So, baby, what is your plan for the rest of the day? <laughs> Horrible interviewer. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about having two gay dads? Big smile. That's good. Yeah. All right. He yeah. seems okay with it. Yeah. He's going to chill with us and he'll probably just sit uh-huh. here quietly. He's a very content baby. He's a very <laughs> content baby. We've been very lucky. When he was tiny, tiny, he only really cried if he was hungry or needed changing or was very, very tired. And uh, sleeping through the night now? Has that mostly gotten stable? He's had... I, I learned a new phrase, which is sleep regression, which means the baby was sleeping fine, but is no longer sleeping fine. Okay. Uh, so this last week, it's mostly teeth-related, but he's been uh, up in the night, and we try to get him settled and back into bed, but he's been uh, lying with us for the last few hours of the night, being consoled, so... Uh-uh. And he's not verbal, uh, but he, I told you all this at New Year's, like, it's interesting to not just see the world through a baby's eyes with him, but to realize, like, you have to learn how to be a human. So the the only inconsolable screaming was from about three weeks to eight or nine weeks old uh, in the evenings when he had gas, because he didn't know how to fart. <laughs> <laughs> that's something you have to learn how to do and for babies babies develop a rhythm for their gas before they do for their sleep and awakening uh so it's if you google evening fussies it's a well-known thing that about six or seven most babies from two weeks to nine weeks are just uncomfortable and unhappy because that's when they're dealing with their gas (laughs) (laughs) That's so weird. I would never have thought about that. I didn't either until I figured out what to do to stop the screaming. Because yeah. the worst of the screaming. Um, that's about uh, that's about the time I start drinking every day. So I, that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> you stop screaming because you're off work. And, uh, what's the best thing about being a dad? I think there's probably more than one thing. But I would say the very sweet nuzzling cuddles that he'll give us unexpectedly 
where he'll just turn into you and, and bury his face into your shoulder. Oh. I, I think that's one of the times that I feel the most love from him. Yeah. I remember when he was about eight weeks old, similar. I mean, he had almost no body control because he was eight weeks old. But we were, we were, he and I were at my office, and the first time he gave me a look that was different, that conveyed whatever an eight-week-old knows of affection. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't just recognition. It was also, I like you too. Mm-hmm. And that has continued when he does just, you're holding him walking, and he just nuzzles in. And it's like, oh, <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. Well, how about how about the 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 opposite of that question what's what's been the the hardest thing or the worst thing about being a dad so far i think it's it's always difficult when a baby is crying and you cannot figure out what the problem is and so you're going through the routine of checking the diaper and trying to give a bottle and burping and nuzzling and and babe just keeps crying it's i think it's normal to feel frustrated and upset by that but when it's at like two o'clock in the morning and you just want to go back to sleep (laughs) <laughs> I think it takes on a whole new level of frustration, but uh, that's probably those moments have been the most difficult for me. I think. Yeah, those moments have happened in the last two weeks, and were relatively rare, except for very early on when he was really small. Um, I mean, there was one night Brandon was still on paternity leave, and I was up with Topher for like two or three hours in the middle of the night, and woke him up, woke Brandon up. It's like. I'm done for now. I, I need, I need some help. Mm-hmm. And then probably later that same week, Topher was, Topher and I were home. So after Brandon went back to work and it had a similar night and I just had to put him in the crib and let him cry. Uh, while I took a deep sigh and lay on our bed for 45 seconds of just <laughs> not having to take care of someone else. Yeah. Uh, so I think one of the difficult parts, too, is just always being on. And that's part of parenthood. But that everything you do, you're taking care of someone else as well. So you have to really know what's going on for yourself. Yeah. Man, and that's... all parents are in the situation where the pandemic has thrown everything for a loop. So whereas we were building routines of having a night out or having my brother come over or having a babysitter occasionally, like all of those options for relief were suddenly gone. And then we had to build kind of new routines, which we did. And I think it helped us to kind of more fully establish his evening routine of having dinner together and reading the book together and having bath time and having some time where we rock him and give him a bottle and and put him down. So I think we developed new routines, but to suddenly have anything that we had available to us as far as like offering some relief, I think that was difficult too. Okay. I need your diaper change. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I'll be right back. <laughs> so you were talking earlier about uh personality and personality starting to develop. I'm I'm curious what 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 kind of a what kind of a kid do you think he's gonna be when he's five or ten? I am not looking forward to joke books from the book fair. I think that what? kind of humor is going to be uh, a part of him and his development based on how much he laughs now and finds things to laugh at. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I just like thinking of him as a five-year-old. I'm sure he'll be bookish. He'll probably be on the soccer team because of Papa's influence. Get him a whistle. Let's let him referee. <laughs> probably a little young at that age. He's a ref. Uh, Start him early, though. Soc- like- soccer players are hot, and he needs to get his bay someday. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> just saying. But he's, I mean, he'll be very easygoing. He'll be a good older sibling to younger sibling. Well, that's some breaking news. Are you thinking about having another child? Um, Not immediately. We have a timeline for when we'd like to. And we are working through conversations with our surrogacy agency and our fertility clinic about some of the pieces to that timeline. And mostly we're doing the heaviest lifting which is saving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it sounds like uh, you're going, you're, the plan would be to go through the similar, the same route that you went mm-hmm. this time with surrogacy and everything. Cool. Yep. I, I, one thing I hear commonly is the same, the same egg donor so that they are biologically half, half siblings. Is that? Oh yeah. We did that at the beginning yeah. years ago. Oh, that's right. Because they're separate processes yep. of the right, right, right. Before we go to the break, I wanted to ask you guys uh, to totally take it out of your fatherhood into a different context. What what are your relationships like with your fathers, and what are you planning on doing for them for Father's Day? Uh, My father and my mother both live in central Washington. Uh, We saw them last weekend for my mother's 60th birthday. We threw a party at our place, and they came over. And we did hosted a Zoom call for probably about 60 people. Uh, so we won't see them next weekend. Uh, we'll see them perhaps, I think, the following weekend as we leave on a vacation trip to Yellowstone. So it'll be Topher's first travel uh, vacation trip. Watch out for the but, volcano. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be careful. All right. <laughs> um, so I have a good relationship with my father. It's healthy. We're good at communicating with one another. We have similar personalities, I think. Yeah. I might send mine a text. Yeah. A card if I think about it during the week. I, I might text his wife and see if they want to FaceTime okay. with Topher, which has not happened yet. Um, I mean, my relationship with my dad is just, I think, general ambivalence right now. Um, he had a heart attack a few years ago, and it freaked me out. And I if he were to die suddenly, I would get to Alabama as quickly as I could. But uh, we just, we have never really been alike and never have not done the work to rebuild a deep relationship. I mean, since my parents divorced when I was in the seventh grade, I mean, yeah. Does this have anything to do with coming out or being gay or is it completely unrelated? Completely unrelated. No, I I think that he has never said anything negative uh, about my being queer. Um, one of his ex-wives was actually, uh, not obnoxiously, but shockingly supportive uh, <laughs> and insisted that photos of me and Brandon be displayed right alongside my one brother and his wife and the other brother and his girlfriend, like that it was all the same uh, at their house. So... That's good. I think part of the reason that I, I want to talk about this, I guess, is that I, I feel sometimes like Mother's Day and Father's Day and even to a certain extent Valentine's Day 
can put people in a rough spot emotionally because they might not be in a relationship. They might not have a good relationship with their father or their mother. And like, that's okay. Don't, don't feel like, like it's, it's okay if that's a rough day for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, it's not, it's not a rough day for me. It's for both of those days. I just forget they happen. Um, (laughs) Because they're not dates in the liturgical calendar. <laughs> like, the only calendar I look at that's a grid is at lectionarypage.org, which tells me what the readings for each Sunday are. And they never note when Mother's Day or Father's Day is. So I'm just like, oh, I guess Father's Day is the third Sunday in June. Yeah. I don't know when Mother's Day is. I never remember Mother's Day either, but mom always lets me know well in advance. So, <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything else, Kyle? I think you guys mentioned maybe on the last one, but w- what are your uh, dad names? I think I heard Papa for Joseph. Yeah, I'm Papa, and Brandon is currently Dada, but eventually Dad. Gonna morph into Dad. Yeah. Is Papa gonna morph into Pops? I don't know yet. That's what I started sarcastically calling my dad, and then it has turned into just what I call him, uh, like how I, you know, say the word totes. Yeah. It just happened. It just kind of became an actual thing. It stopped being ironic. <laughs> any any last parting thoughts on, on Father's Day, being gay dads? I would say that it has been mostly what I have expected. It's been a good experience. We are very blessed. He's a very good baby. We're very happy with him every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly we have moments when it's challenging, and I think that's true for any parent-child relationship, but it's been a healthy thing for us and a good part of our development as a family. And I'm looking forward to the milestones in the months and years to come. Mm-hmm. We can't hover in, uh, in serious heartfelt topics for too long. So I think Mike, you should get us out of it. Yeah, sure. Well, Joseph knows what to say. Let's take a break. Let's take <laughs> a break. Yes, exactly. Break. <laughs> this is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. I'm Trana Winter. And I'm Thomas LeBlanc. Welcome Welcome to to Chosen Chosen Family. Family. Every second week, we talk about art, sexuality, and identity with a special guest. Usually queer, but not always. I completely struggled coming out to my parents as a comedian. Being in the entertainment industry for Middle Eastern people is unheard of. Affecting change requires people to shake it up. Listen to Chosen Family wherever you get your podcasts. What sign are you, by the way? I'm an Aries. Of course. I love it. (laughs) Joseph, are we back? We're back. Oh, we're back. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Even that took me by surprise. Uh, we're going to do our gayest and straightest. We're going to do our gayest and straightest. But first, our website is gayishpodcast.com. All of our social media, like Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, is at gayishpodcast. Uh, our hotline. You can send us text messages or leave us voicemails at five eight five five four two nine four seven four. That's five eight five gayish. Standard rates apply. Standard rates apply. That's right. <laughs> wow. Um. And then our email is gayishpodcast at gmail dot com. And our physical address is PO Box one nine eight eight two, Seattle, Washington nine eight one zero nine. A couple things before we do our gayest and straightest. Um. We were uh did an interview for um. Uh, site. It's actually the same interview that, that appears on two sites that they both own. A, there's Queer 40 um, and what I think is my new favorite site, BearWorldMag.com. <laughs> so there's an interview with us in either of those if you want to check it out. 
spell bear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the good kind. Oh, man. Uh, oh, wait. That could still be either. <laughs> B-E-A-R. Oh, it should be the Bear Bear World magazine. Sure. <laughs> sure. Great. Well done. Like, are you going to say the next thing or? Fine, sure. Uh, should we, okay. should we, should we do our gayest status? Is that what's next? No. Aren't you going to say the live stream? Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, great. Uh, so we have been <clears throat> trying to do a live stream the last Saturday of every month. We skipped May, uh, in deference to the Black Lives Matter protests that were going on around the country, but we are picking that back up for June. If you'd like to join us, we will be streaming live from our Facebook page on Saturday, the 27th at 6 p.m. Pacific. <laughs> Topher will be there. Um, <laughs> gay Sinceratus? Sure, let's do our Gay Sinceratus. I'll go first. Why not? So okay. uh, the straightest thing about me this week, I went to the Silent March on Friday afternoon. We had 60,000 people. It was great. But the the, what, the straightest thing was trying to find a place to pee and then deciding just, fuck it, I'm going to pee on this bush. Like, that just seems <laughs> super straight guy to just, like, whip it out and pee in random places. Yep. Uh, and then the gayest thing about me this week has been watching every single frame of the Rain on Me video to figure out if Ariana Grande can dance or not. The answer is no. No, she cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes when your voice is that good, you can be medium at dancing. Just pay really close um, attention. They like, like, there's a couple of like really tight in shots that you could tell her just to like hide the, what her weird body is doing because like it's it's not <laughs> dancing and like. Anyway, anyway, I'm being a bitch. Uh, um, which fits in with the gayest thing about you. <laughs> um, okay, my uh, straightest is I, I said this in the last episode and realized I was like, people don't, I don't, I can't deal with if anyone like writes in or says nice things to me. So, like, the fact that I'm being emotionally distant and closed off is the straightest thing. <laughs> um, and the gayest thing is the crazy girl that gets unleashed when people actually follow that. Um, when, when people listen to me and do what I ask, then I'm like, wait, don't you, do you all love me? So I, I have these conflicting things inside me that I don't know how to deal with. There was a person on the Facebook group today that said, do not fucking change your nose, Kyle. You, cause you were talking and about I know, plastic. And I was like, you didn't, and I was like, you didn't listen to me, not ask for feedback. And, but, but I got some validation. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Joseph and Brandon. I think the straightest thing I have done this week was to set up a fan to dry out some plaster that had gotten wet from our neighbor upstairs running a shower. Uh, so I felt kind of butch about that. And yeah. then did some clothing shopping. That's my gayest thing. A clothing shopping for Topher and picked out a lot of cute clothes for him from Target. What's the cutest thing you picked out? I like what he's wearing today, which is a dinosaur on a green stripe. Yeah, I went to do something and Brandon was coming back with more clothes for the baby. So <laughs> it's adorable. Uh, so my gayest this week has been continuing to cultivate crossbreed flowers in Animal Crossing so that I can <laughs> finish. It gets better. So I can finish my progress pride flag. It's the one with the trans flag and the arrow. Oh, uh, all made out of flowers on my island. Uh, wow. I mean, I'm down with trans people, but that's work. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of work. Especially waiting for blue roses to breed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and my greatest is... I, there's one more yet to do, but it's been, I've been replacing outlets throughout our condo with, 
outlets with two USB ports in them oh, wow. so that we can plug in wherever we are or other people can as well and still have access to a plug and not be looking for a little charging block that goes missing. So, so modern. Yeah. Well, and, and like that's some next level electrician shit. Like I'm, do you, don't you need a license to do that or something? <laughs> no, you can watch a video on YouTube. Okay, great. My overhead light in my entryway has been broken. This is not a joke. How, what are I you up to? I don't, I don't know how to do that. Damn it, Joseph. Yeah. Dan, oh, Dan, does. Dan does. Okay. We'll talk off, off pod. Oh, barf. I know. Uh, so that's, it a special thank you to joseph brandon and topher peters matthews for being with us today yeah thank you all for joining yes thank you it's been a pleasure good uh, i agree watching y'all make faces is fun <laughs> <laughs> um and thanks to ariana grande Sure, I, I, for, for doing what she can with what she has that's right <laughs> uh, that's it this has been gayish i'm mike johnson i'm kyle getz until next week be butch be fabulous be you see you next week bye baby bye baby Does Topher want to participate in the gayest and straightest? Topher's too young to know much about sexuality. So he can't, he can't even define sexuality into a binary of gay and straight. Okay. Ooh. All right. Ooh. Well, woke baby. Woke baby. <laughs> <laughs>